From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. Today, Rabbit Hole. Episode 2. again. This is my brother Peter, mom and dad, and I'm Dasha. Today we're going to be showing our friends the basics of the internet, and we thought you might want to come along. It'll be cool. The internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed our lives. Maybe it will yours too. So why don't we try to see how far we can go back in the search if we search history like um, down there with yeah how does it feel to uh pull back the curtain and show strangers this history it's fucking embarrassing <laughs> it's really fucking embarrassing especially sitting next to you guys you guys are from the new york times you're like what the fuck were you watching this shit for dog I mean, like i'll just be honest i would not show you my youtube history <laughs> so I asked Caleb to download his entire YouTube viewing history, like 12,000 videos spanning four years of his life. And like, you were excited. I was losing my mind. I'm glad we're, okay. we're doing this today. If you see anything that's just like strange, like I do just, I'm, I'm an internet person, right? You totally, understand? Totally. So like, I've heard so many stories about people falling down internet rabbit holes. Is that, uh-huh, uh -huh, take on me? I fucking love that song. <laughs> but I never actually was able to sort of forensically reconstruct someone's actual journey down an internet rabbit hole. Inch by inch. And then I'll listen to like a lot of like, the fires, the earthquake, the death. Alex Jones, black metal. That shit's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> Elsa? Do you want to build a snowman? Kevin, looking at this, I can't help but feel like it's a little intrusive. <laughs> like we're right, going through someone's diary or something. Yeah, totally. Like... He went through a period where he was he was listening to a lot of Frozen songs, but also Jesse. Do you wanna build a meth lab? Um, parodies like there's a Frozen and Breaking Bad parody mashup called "Do You Wanna Build a Meth Lab?" We'll make lots of money, just you and me. <laughs> we'll stack the cash up But it's exactly because it's so private and unguarded and unfiltered that it's so valuable as a reporting tool. Yeah, let's just go all the scroll as far as you can, and we'll start from the beginning. So what you're looking for in Caleb's watch history are the clues for how he, over time, takes on more and more radical beliefs. Right. Okay, so we'll slow down. We'll go back to how it started. And so, to do that... We have to really put his watch history in time. The college students are, have damn right to be depressed. Their society is unsustainable because nobody's asking the fundamental questions about why the society is the way it is, why things are so bad. Because the YouTube history that Caleb was able to download and share with us, it starts in 2015, which is about a year after he got that job at Dairy Queen. 
And right away, one of the first things you notice is that Stefan Molyneux... Why is it that men are the ones who have to be banished from social discourse? Why is it men who have to be driven into the basement? Why Caleb's all-time favorite YouTuber. If you can only have a voice by making other people shut up, you're not a feminist, you're a tyrant. The tone and focus of his videos. Apparently the only way that feminists can give women a voice is saying shut up to every man on the planet. Has really sharpened in the wake of this weird and important internet event. Did you have feelings about Gamergate while it was happening? I didn't get too much into that, but I saw it as like, See, they're trying to take everything over. They just want to make everything politically correct. You know, all these SJWs, they're even trying to take our video games. An event called Gamergate. What is Gamergate? Pay any attention to Gamergate. What is Gamergate? Gamergate. 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 I don't even know what that is. Gamergate. So a few months before this watch history starts, back in 2014, there was a breakup between this gamer and his girlfriend, who was a video game developer. And she was sort of part of this movement of progressive game developers who really wanted to take the world of video games. Grab a whore and have a good time. Please don't. I would have given a stud like you a free sample. Like how it depicted women and violence and bring it into the modern age. And she made these very non-traditional games. Like, in one of them, the enemy that your character is fighting is depression. And this game, it got a lot of positive press. Like, gaming journalists really liked it, called it you know, compelling and educational. Depression Quest is hands down one of the worst games I've ever played. But some gamers... It sucks. ...really hated it. It really, really, really sucks. So the ex-boyfriend of this developer wrote this really long blog post in which he basically accused her of sleeping with a video game journalist in exchange for positive coverage. And despite the fact that this gaming journalist had never actually reviewed this game, this blog post went viral. And voila, drama is made. It appears that she was involved in sexual activity in return for favorable review scores. And starts this huge websites. controversy. The core issue is really, it's, it's nepotism. Over whether the video game industry, which you know makes billions of dollars a year, has a huge impact on people's lives, whether it's all plagued by corruption and nepotism and foul play. We have a right to question the integrity of the sites that we're reading. And then a bunch of angry gamers started this very intense campaign of harassment. What started as an online spat about the ethics of gaming journalism quickly escalated into a full-blown culture war. They used all these tactics that would only work on the internet. And now the women calling for change in this multi-billion dollar virtual industry are facing a very real backlash, including death threats. Spamming memes and trying to get hashtags trending. Bomb, rape, and death threats from online harassers. Lots of fake accounts. Threats on Twitter even forced another game developer to leave her boss Boston area home after her address was made public. It was really the first culture war where the internet itself became the primary weapon. Who controls the feminists? Who calls gamers terrorists? We do. And it became clear that the real thing that people were angry about wasn't ethics in gaming journalism or whatever. It was the fact that 
They thought this culture of video games, this culture that for decades had been dominated by young men. We have characters in video games that are being attacked day in and day out just because of how they're dressed. Was now under attack. If you can't set your politics and your bullshit down before you come into our gaming shop, you ain't welcome there. And the threat was coming from the media. Now the media is trying to reapply these negative stereotypes to us. So long as a mediocre game contains the correct progressive political positions, it's considered groundbreaking, innovative. And progressives, these people that they called social justice warriors. The term social justice warrior does not actually mean someone who's out for social justice. The SJWs, they want equality, but I don't think that they understand what true equality is. And it wasn't just video games. Activists and feminazis are fucking ruining comic books. Feminism ruined Star Wars. Pretty soon it spread to... Boy, oh boy, is PC culture really just... Everything. Ruining our whole world. That's what Gamergate is about. We're tired of this. Saying that we're all white, we're all male, we're all straight, and so on and so forth. As I saw it as like... See, they're trying to take everything over. They just want to make everything politically correct. You know, all these SJWs, they're even trying to take our video games. And it was on the other side of Gamergate that this new kind of political identity emerged. And this identity, like, it didn't really fit into a traditional left-right, Democrat, Republican spectrum. In this identity, you could be pro-gay marriage and pro-marijuana legalization. You can even support Medicare for all. But the core belief, like the central thing that animates you, is this power struggle against these dying old media gatekeepers who just want to, like, tell people what to think and enforce this restrictive PC culture. You cannot make anyone else feel bad, and the way we're going to get you to never make anyone else feel bad is to put the SJW thumbscrews right up your urethra, right into your balls. And so the Stefan Molyneux that we see in Caleb's watch history post-Gamergate, he's really come to embody this new political identity. The media will praise people who are leftists and multiculturalists and blah, 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 and they will attack other people who aren't that way. Especially with a series of videos. This is the truth about Karl Marx. That are sort of variations on the truth about. Martin Luther King, plagiarist. About historical figures, political leaders, but more often about. This is the truth about Israel and Palestine. This is the truth about slavery. Controversial topics in the news. The truth about Michael Brown and the Ferguson riots. The truth about immigration. This is the truth. This is the truth. The, the truth, truth about the movie Frozen. The format of these videos is pretty much the same every time. He lays out first the kind of official explanation for something that happened in the news. CNN went with the headline, Michael Brown, teen shot by police days before college, continuing the gentle giant narrative. And then he sort of breaks it down and tells you, here's what really happened. So the video that we saw, and according to a police report, uh, Brown and his friend Dorian Johnson were performing a strong arm robbery with store staff and stealing a box of cigars on Saturday. And he's sure. saying basically, look, like, I'm no expert, but I can see that this official explanation is not right. Now, this gentle giant, Michael Brown, recorded a collection of rap tracks with friends and posted them. But I am going to give you the truth. Lyrics, I guess you could call them, go something like this. I just want a real bitch. Smoke dope. 
and kill shit. But if we can challenge the narrative and begin to think afresh. No bias, no spin, no fancy cameras, no makeup. In fact, I read no makeup. Why? Because I actually do some research, right, before I create a video. You know, it may not be the end of the world to do a little less foundation uh, on the skin and a little bit more foundation in critical thinking. I was chasing truth. You know, I had this analogy in my head that I've thought of. I was like Indiana Jones with my, you know, explorer's hat on. And Steph like said, hey, look at this cave. Look, there's knowledge down there, right? The truth is down there. You've got to go down and dig for it. So looking through the early months of Caleb's watch history. And it was an uncomfortable truth. And I accepted that. And that's what made it even more compelling. You really see that Stefan Molyneux was the first step into the rabbit hole for him. And because Caleb would watch Stefan Molyneux and then go on these long binges where he would just watch recommended video after recommended video, you can really see like in detail where the algorithm is taking him next. Yeah, so that's what you do. Like You'll watch a video and then the little sidebar comes up and you're like, oh, let's go on a little binge here. So, for example, on Thursday, July 17th, at exactly 11.27 a.m., Caleb clicks on a music video for a song called California Sun by the Rivieras. Ladies and gentlemen from the dark north of Canada, (laughs) the white north, and then he clicks over to Joe Rogan. There's a lot of these ideas that um, you have said that are very controversial that we're going to give you me? an opportunity. Who is interviewing who else? No, and, and to be fair, I mean... Um, Stefan Molyneux. One of your positions that get criticized or one of the other things that gets tossed at you is the term misogynist. And, and sure for a, like three hours... If it means general hatred of all women, then yes. I made a really bad choice of who to get married. Caleb's watching his favorite YouTubers talk about his favorite YouTube videos. You do a lot of these, the truth about people. And you they do these, debate a little bit. A lot of these ideas, they're not, it's, it's not, these aren't essentially black and white issues. And so when you as state far as them people as who have black. issues with me or, or disagree with things that I say or have better reason and evidence, fantastic. I mean, I've done And then I can see that the very next video that he gets recommended. I've been looking forward to doing this podcast with you again for a while. Is another Joe Rogan interview with Stefan Molyneux. I feel quite a strong urgency that it's a race of us versus The birth of the internet will be by far... And then again, like... One of the biggest events. He watches them talk for another three hours. Listen, I think we're out of time. I think we we, we did out three, three hours, whole hours. We? Yeah, we just Shit crushed sick, through really? it. Yeah, we didn't talk about didn't a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about. Quick. And then you can see Caleb goes on this long music binge. He logs off for a few hours and. When he comes back at 3.40 in the morning, he plays hours of classical music. 
The next day... Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from... Saturday, July 18th. Oh, do I even have to tell you? Caleb wakes up... Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux. And he goes on a big Stefan Molyneux binge. Most times you get picked on because you're better. And skipping ahead in his viewing history, past some more Stefan Molyneux and some musical interludes, Sorry to say that the most brazen untruths always come from the left. You can see that Caleb gets a recommendation for someone totally new. What the Gamergate movement did was prove that it is possible to beat the left. Milo Yiannopoulos, provocateur. It was the first time that ordinary people proved that you could beat the feminist wackos if you tried. Milo Yiannopoulos. He's this flamboyant British guy who has fully embraced... My safe word is women can be funny. ...the role of internet troll. No, they can. I mean, I can't think of any examples, but... Um... He was a major figure in Gamergate, and then he got hired by Steve Bannon at Breitbart. Everywhere in the world there is Islam. You will find women oppressed, homosexuals murdered, gang raped. Now, there's a unique... He's younger than Stefan Molyneux, and he's not just talking into his webcam. He's actually going out to college campuses and on talk shows and podcasts. We're in a situation now where students can go to university. They come out dumber than when they went in. They are infantilized by safe space and trigger warning culture. And he sort of became Breitbart's first breakout star. It is a wonderfully emboldening moment in internet culture. And then after that, Caleb gets recommended this other new guy. These feminists are the absolute weakest among women. Named Steven Crowder. They can't handle content that might be upsetting. They need to be warned. They need to make up terms like microaggression. They need to He's this comedian. He did a short stint at Fox News. And then he became huge on YouTube. Black Lives Matter listed their demands. Black only cultural spaces. In the name of equality, they're demanding segregation. For the Just for scale, he's got like 4.4 million subscribers which uh, is about twice as many as the New York Times. These women demand that you don't say anything that they don't like, and then demand that you foot the bill for their health care, for their college. He's got a lot in common with Steph and Milo. You are demanded to not only approve, tolerate, but praise them. But what makes him different is that he's the first straight-up conservative that has entered Caleb's YouTube diet. We've been told how great Barack Obama's been for national security because Osama bin Laden was killed. Steven Crowder is a constitutionalist conservative. We now have Syrian refugees wanting to come in. Several have been caught with fake passports trying to get in. I was listening to a lot of him. And what's particularly interesting about this piece of Caleb's YouTube history is that we don't just have his viewing history, we also have his search history. And we can see right here that after he gets recommended Steven Crowder videos. The dean of Yale, or president of Yale, they told him his job was to create a safe space for people. His job wasn't to educate. I mean, he then goes Yale, looking for more of them, and he goes on all of these other side binges that start with Steven Crowder. Which is how he meets another new character. Senor Gavin McGinnis, thank you for being on the show, sir. Gavin McGinnis. Hello! <laughs> Good morning! I am here to... Make the case for Western chauvinism. I saw Gavin on Steven Crowder's podcast, and so I'd type in Gavin's name, and I'd start watching his content. I started this gang called the Proud Boys. 
We have chapters all over the world. Gavin is really a singular character in all this. He was one of the co-founders of Vice Magazine back in the day and helped pioneer this like hipster aesthetic. He has a big beard and wears skinny jeans. Like he looks like someone you would like run into at the food co-op. You go to these, you know, pro-black cop rallies and they're screaming with Soviet signs. And like Steph and Milo and Steven Crowder, he considers himself edgy. They make up all this fake science and then they come storming at you and they say, white male patriarchy is raping women. White men are, are the reason there's sexism when you go. But he takes things a lot further than other people that Caleb has been watching, especially when it comes to race. In 2005, 10 white men raped black women. 37,000 black men raped white women. Now, I don't want to make it about race, but if you want to go there, we can go there, and the numbers ain't pretty, lady. Then, throughout the next part of his watch history, you can see that one name really starts dominating basically everything else. Lauren Southern. Reporters like Rachel Maddow and publications like the Huffington Post and Heat Street have become a laughingstock among the right and left for their ignorance on how the internet and its culture works. So Lauren Southern, she's this 25-year-old Canadian libertarian who in 2015 ran for parliament and she lost, but in the process she built a pretty big YouTube channel, which in some ways like made her more powerful than if she had gotten elected to parliament. Hello, it's Lauren Southern here with Rebel, and I just got in a huge confrontation with the slut walk, which we are following right now. When I first saw Lauren, she was at the slut walks. All right, let's go follow the walk. No She was beautiful, she was around my age. You are attacking our cameraman. Her big breakout moment was when she interrupted these slut walks, these sexual assault protests that were happening all over North America. I held a sign that said, we are not living in a rape culture in the West. She would go up to feminists and try to debate them. Rapists don't get high fives. We don't have the government funding rapists. She's basically doing the same sort of gonzo activism that Michael Moore was doing 10 years earlier but she's doing it on the other side of the culture war. There's a group of women that were here and they're wishing to withdraw consent to use the footage that you had, I guess, gotten, so. You can't just withdraw consent the next, like. Well, that's interesting. Why is that interesting? It's just, I, no, 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 tell, tell me, like, tell me why. Like a rally for like consent and like, they're saying no and you're saying that like. Okay, so if someone gives consent the night before and then they have, no, 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 listen, if they have sex with a man and they give consent to him, then the next day decide, oh, I regret it. I'm going to report him for being a rapist, even though I gave him consent. You're saying that's okay? Out of all the YouTubers that Caleb has watched, Lauren Southern, she's really the most like him. She's young. She dropped out of college. She is a fan of the same YouTubers that he is. And she really kind of brings all these ideas together in these dramatic real-world confrontations. I was like, Who's this? And I was like, wow, she's out there owning the libs and giving them facts and logic. Okay. If you want to know what my sign means, my sign means that this is not a rape culture because rapists go to prison here. Go to Africa and you will see a real rape culture. And at this point, like, Caleb says that this all feels like the same edgy punk rock stuff he was into in high school. It's just that what is punk rock has changed. There was this counterculture element to it. We 
are the new counterculture. I don't understand why the right, why white males have to tiptoe around. And we are the punk rock kids, right? And everyone else gets to just yell, what do we want? Dead cops. What are, everyone's racist. We're the ones pushing back against the status quo of like this elite, you know, globalist, like liberal society. I don't know if the mainstream media knows just how many people are following in the wake and disassembling what they're building because they just keep doing it. I have really good news for you. I just heard that the press is stuck on their airplane. They can't get here. I love it. And that's what Trump was. Trump was that figure that was going to come in and reverse it all. They called us and said, could you wait? I said, absolutely not. Let's get going, right? Let's get going, New Hampshire. There's lots of things I hated about the Republicans, but you had to vote for Trump. So... Kevin, it feels like just in this first year of Caleb's watch history, he's come quite a long way from the guy who was excited about Barack Obama or who wanted to study environmental science in college. Right. And it feels to me like it's happening really quickly. Yeah. But all of the stuff that Caleb is going through and experiencing, it all lines up with these changes that are happening at YouTube the very same year. This podcast is supported by Facebook. It's been 25 years since lawmakers passed comprehensive internet regulations, but the internet has changed a lot since then, and it's time for an update. That's why Facebook supports updated internet regulations to set clear guidelines for addressing today's toughest challenges, like protecting privacy, fighting misinformation, reforming Section 230, and more. See their progress on key issues and what's next at about.fb.com slash regulations. All right, so Kevin, what is happening back at YouTube during this year that Caleb is meeting all these new people? So throughout 2014 and 2015, YouTube is growing an insane amount. And a lot of that is because of this AI that Guillaume helped build. Guillaume, our our French friend. We. Oui. <laughs> got a billion users that's seeing accelerating usage growth. More of the same, more of the same. But around 2015, after Guillaume was gone, YouTube realized that in order to keep growing, it had to do a version of a thing that he had been talking about. It couldn't just keep showing people more and more videos about the things that they were interested in. It had to show them new videos on new subjects, new topics featuring new people. It had to actually expand their tastes, including things they didn't even know they'd want. So YouTube calls in Google Brain. It's the best AI PhDs in the world. They're publishing the most papers. They're winning the most awards. Like, this is the A-team of AI. And they come in, and their job is to re-engineer the recommendations algorithm around this new AI technique called a deep neural network, which is this AI technique that is supposed to mimic the way the human brain processes information. And basically what you do is you give it a whole bunch of data, in this case, like billions and billions of data points about what people are watching on YouTube. And you instruct the AI to go out and find patterns and connections in that data. 
including stuff that no human would ever think to make. Connections and patterns that no human could ever find. And then you use those connections to recommend paths for people that can draw them into new subject areas, that can get them interested in new things, that can make them watch not just one more video or two more videos, but like 500 new videos. That's really what feminism is. It's a giant suicide bomber. And if you look at Caleb's watch history, that's when he starts getting introduced to all these new characters. It only leads to death and suffering. I get the idea of trying to show that women are real people too, yada, yada, yada. And then when he gets a new job in 2016. And then when I got my second job at the warehouse, we were actually allowed to listen to earphones. Packing boxes in a warehouse. I stood at a bench all day and put things into boxes. So I was pretty much by myself. His YouTube watch time skyrockets even more. There is a war at the moment between the West and Islam. Women are not an oppressed class in the West. There is no... You know, we were told, well, just obey these moral commandments. Now, at the I same much time, prefer we were told a political party preserving Western identity. He's actually spending all day... From sunup to sundown. Online. The people in the bad cultures want to get to the good culture. We're not even sundown because I've listened to it in my sleep. third world and it is your the first brain. world. It is your you get the third world. Put the phone next, right next to my head and it would just be running YouTube all night. Moral responsibility. Thank you guys so much for watching. And thank you so much to my amazing Patreon supporters who make it so that I'm able to talk about these scary, bigoted subjects. And I did feel very connected with these people. Uh, thank you so much for your patience and time and care and attention. As always, this is all supported by you. Yes, you. Not, no, no, not the guy standing behind. I was like, you know, if only Lauren knew how it was, we'd be friends. If Steph knew who I was, we'd be friends. It's just that I'm disconnected from these people because I'm stuck in West Virginia. If you look through Caleb's viewing history and add it all up, he watched about 4,000 videos in 2016, which is double the number he had the previous year. And around this time, like, YouTube's overall viewing time was ratcheting up so much that in 2016, they reached this milestone of a billion hours a day being watched on YouTube. When you get an oversupply of lies, you get a demand for truth. I mean, it just raises the demand. And I think that the alternative media, as it's called, bringing sort of reason just and evidence to... Just to put it in perspective, a billion hours is equal to 114,000 years. That is insane. <laughs> so every day on YouTube, people collectively around the world are getting up and watching 114,000 years worth of videos. <laughs> That's so wild. Like, we could have colonized Mars by now. That's not what we're here to do. My only source of information was YouTube. This is no longer like a site where you go to watch a video. It's the soundtrack to people's life. I was only listening to Steph, Lauren Southern, Gavin McKenna's. I was not taking my news from anywhere else. And these alternative media figures, these people that Caleb has been following and watching, they're becoming bigger than a lot of the mainstream media organizations that they're criticizing. I built this show from nothing to, you know, coming up to 300 million views and downloads. I started back in 2006 on YouTube. Back then, edgy atheism and liberalism dominated all yeah. of YouTube. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing how things have changed. We Google is a calculator. 
It's just an algorithm. And the algorithm shows true. And you can see in his viewing history after the election, like late 2016, early 2017. You thought I was going to lose. Wrong. You thought Hillary was going to win. Wrong. That's when the tone of the videos that Caleb is watching. Stops feeling to him like a culture war, and it starts feeling like an actual war. Angry demonstrators taking turns beating a paper mache likeness of Trump with the bat. I would watch SJW, you know, social justice warrior cringe compilations and all this stuff. Take your privilege somewhere else, please. Do not be a spectator in the most important battle in history. And Caleb started to notice around this time that he wasn't the same person that he was in high school. And I, now I'm calling myself a civic nationalist. He is changing. It's not just for America. It's not just for Britain. It's for the identity of the West. It's under attack from radical Islam, from cultural Marxists. And, and I noticed that we all were progressively becoming more and more right wing. Now, when he sees a video of Richard Spencer, an open white nationalist. For us as Europeans, it is only normal again when we are great again. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! He actually feels like they have something in common. I remember even Richard Spencer going to the hotel in D.C. To be white is to be a striver. And, you know, doing the Hail Trump and doing the Zeke Heil. We don't exploit other groups. They need us and not the other way around. And I remember defending him. I thought, well, look, it's his right to do that. And it's his free speech. And they're not, that's not a Nazi salute. It's a Roman salute. And, and I remember saying things like, you know, if they want white nationalism, if they want their own little corner of the country and they all voluntarily move there and do that, that's fine. Immigrants come to this country and do that all the time. There's a Chinatown. There's, any, you know, all these things. So it was like, I saw it as like, well, that's their freedom to do so. And like, there's some distance between the Richard Spencer white nationalist movement and like Caleb's favorite YouTubers. You know, Stefan Molyneux is not having Richard Spencer like on his channel. But I think that white identity and white nationalism is a little misleading. I think it's more accurate to say that the alt-right cares about Western supremacy rather than white supremacy. Cares about Western a lot of them are starting to affiliate themselves. I do think that the right overall is going to be changing to a movement that is going more alt-right, actually. With this group that Richard Spencer played a key role in starting. So it started with uh, this guy, Richard Spencer. Boop! He came out with the name alt-right, alternative right, and I like this guy. Uh, I like debating him. The alt-right. What's the alt-right or alternative right? Some members hold distinctive positions on sex roles, trade and free markets, and foreign policy, but they all agree on one thing. Equality is a dangerous myth. Over time in his YouTube history, you see that Caleb gets recommended videos by this guy named Jared Taylor. For some reason, Jared Taylor got into my algorithm. When it comes to race, uh, I was certainly just as ignorant as you. And Jared Taylor, he's a little different than the other people that Caleb's been watching. It was with great reluctance that I said goodbye to all of these happy fantasies about how we're all essentially replaceable and everyone is the same. He's older, he wears, like, suits and has a master's degree. Jared Taylor, for some reason, he was soft-spoken, well-mannered, presentable-looking. He's not a YouTuber. The science of heredity tells us that some people will always be above average, some people will be below. He was a professional racist before Caleb was born. And his big project has been to kind of make 
racism respectable by dressing it up in all this quasi-scientific language. And so when Caleb sees him, he's talking about something called... Race realism. Race realism. You know, the differences in IQ among the races and saying that that explained, you know, why black people are in poverty and why Asians are doing so well in the country. These are biological facts. They're not sociological constructs. I thought, well, look at it. You can see it in reality. But what he does have in common with the other YouTubers that Caleb is watching. So much vital data on these questions is essentially kept underground. Is that he frames his views as a kind of secret knowledge. We evolve from nature. And that once you see the logic behind it. And this is how things are. You see that it's the truth. This is the natural world. And this is, you know, black people grew up in Africa and white people grew up in Europe. And this is just how it is. And all this stuff that I'd never, ever believed before. And then at some point, Caleb says he started to do more than just watch YouTube videos. I would have arguments with people and I would try to convince people on things like race realism and mass immigration. The thing I want to talk about today is the great replacement. I'd talk to people that I saw as intelligent and I'd say, you need to have more kids. The funny thing is, is that if white people really cared about the world, they would very much wish to preserve white culture. You know, intelligent people are dying out. I'm sure you're aware of what is called the Great Replacement. The fact that in every Western country, the proportion of whites drops every year. Do you really think that the European people and culture are replaceable within a generation with no consequences? Did you read the New Zealand Shooters Manifesto? I read about the first 15 pages, and it was exactly what I believed. Not the violence, but the Great Replacement, that's what I called it. All those things, that's how I saw the world. That was what I believed. Yes, yeah, so um, when, when did you feel your views shifting again? So, um... To hear more, go to whatever app you're using to hear me right now. Search for rabbit hole, two words, and hit subscribe. When times became uncertain, Womply pivoted their technology platform and committed to help small businesses and self-employed workers get approved for their PPP loan. In just a few months, Womply has helped 1 million businesses across America to secure much-needed funding so they can continue to stay open and serve their communities. Womply helps small businesses thrive. Visit Womply.com to learn more.